Welcome to DWeb Decoded, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of decentralized technology. In this episode, Danny O'Brien, Senior Fellow at Filecoin Foundation, chats with two builders from Howard University, Assistant Professor Dr. Karthik Balasubramanian and student Tanner Uzel about their project, Block Power, a platform designed to build health, wealth, and power by positively redirecting the flow of information and resources. We'll delve into the mission of Block Power, its community building aspect, and its potential to empower communities. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world of Block Power. Welcome to DWeb Decoded. Hey, uh, welcome to the Decentralists. We're talking about blockchain education um, this particular session. This is a semi-periodical uh, look at the um, the thinkers and the builders who are working to uh, re-decentralize the internet and maybe introduce some uh, some more distributed ways of uh, of uh, understanding and apprehending and distributing uh, power and opportunity uh, around the world. I'm really desi- delighted to be joined today to by Karthik Balasubramanian. I knew I was going to mangle that. I'm sorry, Karthik. I just get the fear in the middle of a sentence whenever I'm saying things like that. Uh, Karthik is um, associate professor assistant professor at um at howard university um and uh, he's here with uh one of his students i think is the correct way to describe your relationships uh tana Ozel. um and tana and kadek have been working in on this episode a, Danny o'brien uh, a senior project fellow. that we at the falcon Foundation in this episode Danny o'brien web, senior uh, fellow at the file a little bit of uh funding towards in this episode uh, called Danny o'brien Power. senior fellow at filecoin um, foundation so it's great Chats to have two you builders both here. from howard Thanks university and talking about assistant professor more about what's happening at, at Assistant Howard Professor University. Dr. Um, I spot a few people um, who are not uh, from the United States in the audience. So I just want to note that for those of you who don't know Howard um, as, a, as a household name, um, it's really one of the major powerhouses of political and commercial activity in the United States, if you've heard of Kamala Harris, if you've heard of Toni Morrison, if you've heard of Tanahisi Coates, if you've heard of Thurgood Marshall or Chadwick Boseman, uh, you will have seen the products of Howard University. Um, and uh, Kardik, you've been there for five years now, right? Yep. Um, and I guess what is your, what is your as, a, as a professor, what is your area of interest primarily? Yeah, I've got, I've got two folks. So my, my classroom focuses on so I teach the core operations class for both the undergrads and the and the MBAs and kind of the way that I think about that class is helping students think strategically systematically and analytically um, as they become kind of the next generation of black leadership in this country um, and yeah it's just kind of really exciting to 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 help students who I know are going to kind of go far and wide and do great things to to be a little bit more analytical Interesting. And like we were talking earlier that, that your career has sort of crossed between um, the world of sort of startup in, uh, um, in kind of investment and, and also the world of sort of academia and public goods. Can you speak a little? Because you work with the World Food Program, American Red Cross, Gates Foundation. Um, what, what has your been your sort of interest and in, in, in area of attention in uh, those lofty organizations. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think, so my, probably the, the thing that I can look back on and say, this has been my interest is 
um, and definitely not couldn't I couldn't look forward while you know while I was while I was doing it, but I can look back and tell a nice story. Uh, and it's basically how to take just kind of simple, um, you know, a simple analytical framework and and try to create value. Um, and you know, there are tons and tons of different ways that you can do this. And oftentimes, people are you know right now you know they're kind of looking for you know on the frontiers or innovating on the tools. But it turns out like you know you just take you know the Pareto principle. Um, and just look for the kind of most strategic ways to you know, save, save a nonprofit money or, you know, help a nonprofit uh, scale their work or help, help a you know, political candidate register more voters. Just, you can always just look at the Pareto principle, use the Pareto principle. It's just like, okay, where should we focus our energy? Where should we focus our, uh, our resources to have the biggest bang for the buck? And you can, you can, it's generally pretty easy to spot once you take a holistic view um, of what you're looking at. So, uh, so uh, uh, Juan Bennett, um, who who is the sort of uh, one of the well, one of the founders of the of IPFS and, and Filecoin, often uh, uses the Pareto principle. Actually, he has this great term, Pareto Utopia, <laughs> which is where you're sort of trying to to use that optimization to get further and further. Um, into a, a world that benefits everybody, but for those of those those in the audience who don't know what that is, what is it? What is Pareto optimization? Basically, this idea that you that you're looking for the biggest bang for the buck. Twenty percent of the causes generate eighty percent of the results. So this guy named Pareto, is an Italian economist, was looking at the wealth distribution. I think back in the 1800s of Italy. I could get be getting this totally wrong. Um, but the general, the general, we can edit it out. It's okay. It's fine. The, the general outlines of this is true. I'm not sure about the specifics, but basically was showing that the, uh, you know, the 20%, 20% of, uh, of households or people, um, had, uh, 80% of the wealth. And now the wealth distribution is even more skewed than that. But basically kind of looking right. at this idea that, you know, there are just a few things that drive a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of the results. So if you take, you know, the United States, for example, there are 3,000 counties, but they're really just 100 that matter. Um, you know, the smallest counties are really, really small relative to the biggest counties. L.A. County, for example, is, you know, the size of, you know, some states. So, um, so you know, you can, there's just kind of a lot of, uh, you can apply this across the board, whether you're starting a new business, whether you're trying to improve individual, whether you're trying to improve a class or where you're, or you're trying to improve an organization, you're trying to cut costs, you're trying to introduce new products, you're trying to um, do any, really anything in your personal or professional life. It's, it's basically what I tell my students is like, this is the one thing that I hope you will take away from my class is how to think 80-20. Interesting. And like that can often be a really centralizing fact right that because if you if there's one company or one community that is able to like steal a little bit more of the pie then that can that can build up over time right yep. or find an efficiency yep. absolutely so let's let's sort of bring 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 you in tanner on this so um it, it in this in this context, um, you've been working on the, the Block Power um, project, and maybe if if there's a, an easy way to explain uh, what that uh, what that endeavor has been. Um, yeah. So essentially, so I'm kind of the like leader of 
HU DAO, which is like our effort to create a DAO for Howard University. And we were throwing a hackathon last year is when I ran into um, Dr. B. And he shared that he had a really similar mission of kind of increasing the general knowledge of people on campus about blockchain, Web3 and everything, which is like the same thing that we were doing. So ended up working with him to create a set of videos and um, learning about his app that he was working on block power to incentivize ways for people to like learn a little bit, create something and share it with their friend. And then kind of by chance this past semester, Dr. B teaches a class right after one of mine. So I ended up seeing him every other day and we always got a chance to talk a little bit more about it. And so now we're kind of continuing that focus of, of, spreading the app, spreading these set of videos to, you know, just broaden the knowledge of blockchain and Web3 and bring more people into the community. So it's the thing you're optimizing here, essentially co communicating the ideas that um, that you've been thinking at HUDAO? Um, it, it's, it's definitely a mix because, I mean, HUDAO, like, like, essentially, I guess it is like the same ideas. Like we wanted to teach people at Web3, get people involved. And he was doing the same thing. It wasn't necessarily an aligned mission to begin with, but I think we are pretty aligned now. I definitely talked to Dr. B a good bit about this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely getting there of just bringing as many people into what we think the future is going to be. So, God, uh, I mean, what what was the process of alignment that happened here and right? what was it that interested you in in Tana's work and, and vice versa yeah yeah so Black Power actually started out with a, a very broad mission um, and that was um, that was kind of I could I could tell you a lie and tell that tell you that that was that was by design but it really wasn't it started out started, started, started out as a um, as a voting initiative kind of looking for uh, trying to figure out how we could increase um, uh, people's ability to talk to their family members, friends, and neighbors and uh, about uh, recruiting their family members, friends, and neighbors uh, into making voting plans. And it turned out, and you know, we did a, you know, a bunch of experimentation, and it showed basically that the, the key, uh, one of the things that we really needed to do was build a long-term network of people um, and uh, that were just interested in building health, wealth, and power. And that's what uh, Black Power is and started out uh, Kind of, that's what Block Power's kind of version two was focused on is just creating a creating a platform that helped organizations with a mission uh, to increase health, wealth, or power. Kind of really broadly defined, um, spread their messages uh, through an incentivized peer-to-peer -peer model. And basically, you know, there are you know, a bunch of different applications to this. So we, you know, we're working with a small organization in Texas focused on increasing people's ability to access social services and another organization um, that is found that's focused on uh, civic engagement um, and increasing people's knowledge about civic uh, civic processes in North Carolina. And then here, um, you know, this kind of, you know, I had been independently interested in, in, in web three and kind of how quickly things are, are, are changing and how quickly, um, you know, new, new platforms and use cases of blockchain are um, are emerging and and I kind of I, I, uh, I saw I just saw a lot of really neat things and but that was kind of being paralleled by you know when I would ask my classes about about 
um, crypto and blockchain and the future of Web3, Web3, there was a massive disconnect. Everybody had heard about crypto. Um, mm-hmm. And when I asked people, hey, kind of what, um, you know, what, so what's been your experience with crypto? And it turned out that, you know, half of my class, both undergrads and MBAs, had bought crypto, generally some mix of Bitcoin and Dogecoin, um, and then lost a bunch of money and has right. become pretty, pretty kind of disenchanted with the entire ecosystem. And I felt like, ah, that is just such a terrible outcome. Um, because, you know, like this is, you know, it, it's like kind of the worst case scenario where people are not just not open to learning about uh, crypto and just decentralizing technologies at all. Um, it's actually actively made their life worse. Um, and that's something is just like, how we really have to reset. We really have to figure out like how, you know, this has been marketed to so many people, um, as a kind of a get rich quick scheme, but the underlying technology Mm -hmm. is so much more. And it's basically is like, Hey, let's try to reset. Let's try to get, um, just the very, very basics, um, of what's exciting about, uh, web three and decentralized technology and blockchain out there to, the student community. And that's what that's basically it's like, hey, okay, well, we have uh, the block power platform, let's just try to use that um, to increase knowledge about crypto in the uh, in the student community. But to play an advocate, I don't know whether it's a devil's advocate (laughs) here. But I mean, is that isn't that perhaps a lesson that people should learn and listen to? I mean, how do you separate the kind of boom and bust? um, experience from something underlying that like i mean it seems to me because i thought what you were going to say is that people have had no experience Mm -hmm. of using um these systems but they had it seems like there was actually penetration of knowledge about these things and and as you said the the thing that people came away with was that this was um this was uh something that that lost you money yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Tanner. It's all you. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that. Uh, I don't know. I think that it's important for people to look at it from a broader lens. Like maybe like crypto specifically or like DeFi specifically. It is like you know you really got to understand these risks and be careful how you use your money and whatnot. But this is like a very real technology and like very real industries being affected. And I think like especially you know people in college about to enter the workforce like you don't we don't want them to think oh this is some scammy internet coin and you know i'm I'm off it completely like i talked to my sister who works at city and like every other day she's talking about oh we had this meeting about a cbdc or this meeting about innovation or these brands want to understand how they can tokenize their products and stuff like i think that um changing the the point of view on it is really important because you can try to speed run these spaces and and then you get in deep really quick and lose a lot and you're just jaded forever. Uh, Tanner, you come to this from kind of the technology side of this? Uh, definitely. That's definitely what got me um interested. Like I'm a business major, but information systems and uh, more or less like a computer science minor. So the tech is what drew me in for sure. Right. Right. And, and kind of the, 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 so um, Block Power itself is, is a platform, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that you've coded up and you're using in these different, these different applications. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just so a, a platform that that um, that's used to to build kind of what we say build health, wealth, and power, kind of really, really broadly. And now we let's get down to the nitty gritty. What does it do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and both of you can jump in. Yeah, <laughs> we've covered the theory, right? From like you know just the general idea of Pareto optimization down to kind of this this theory of change. Yep. Um, what does the what does the block power um, platform do? Yeah, it's really it's pretty simple, and it's basically it marries three different um, relatively simple things. One, um, a video sharing a video sharing platform. Um, two, a set of uh, easy referral links, and three, um, a mechanism to uh, move small amounts of money to people. And basically how it works is this. Um, an organization, in this case, HUDAO, um, will create some content that they want to spread um, that, that will build health, wealth, or power. So in this case, it's a series of six videos on uh, just the very basics about Web3, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Filecoin, um, blockchain, etc. Um, so part one is just a video content. Part two is getting someone to uh, the initial person, the seed person to sign up. Um, generally, the you know, one of the organizers, they will then refer um, using a using their uh, referral link. Um, they'll send these videos out to their mem their family members, friends or neighbors, or in this case, just the the their friend community in the in the student in the student body. And those folks, some subset of those folks, will sign up, watch a video. Well, watch a video, sign up, and when they successfully sign up, then the referrer, the person who actually sent out the videos, um, will earn a small stipend that can be used for their cell phone or internet. So it's basically a way. It's a basically a way for, um, for you know, peer to peer for good content to be, um, to be moved through a social network in an incentivized way. So I will say that the first time we had this conversation, Kadik, I did say, wait. Isn't this a pyramid scheme? <laughs> 100%. And then yeah. you, you pointed out you pointed out that it is a pyramid scheme, but it actually propagates these small financial incentives outward rather than up to the top of the pyramid. Exactly. Um, is, that, is that right? Because you start with a, a, this money and you're essentially incentivizing people to both learn and then kind of uh, reach out to other people. But how do you, how do you, uh, maybe Tanner, you can talk to this, speak to this. How do you pick a topic that you're going to distribute in that way? So, uh, or, yeah, I was going to say, Dr. yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, take I'll, I'll take this and then I'll pass yeah. it over to you because so kind of very broadly, it's organizations that want to build health, wealth, and power. Um, and in this case, kind of, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to work um, in, so kind of recognizing particular problem of, you know, of uh, of folks having a really skewed idea of what blockchain technology is and the and the kind of future of it in the Howard University student community, there's an opportunity to to change that uh, to change to change the narrative. But kind of more more broadly, any organization. So a lot of organizations are trying to do good um, and trying to get stuff, trying to get messages out um, that um, that really vary. So for example, there's a you know, organization, there are many organizations actually that focus on heart disease and many organizations that focus on cancer or um, 
uh, or sickle cell disease or many organizations that's, that, that focus on helping people get bank accounts. And traditionally, the way that they get their, get the, try to, they kind of spend their outreach budgets are on paid communication. So TV ads, radio ads, digital ads, et cetera, that are very impersonal. Um, but, and it really, you know, there's, at least in the voter, in, in the voter world, um, these in general paid communications are very ineffective. And basically the idea here is, hey, like, what if we actually, what if we actually, instead of paying the Googles, the Facebooks, um, and the, you know, Sinclair technology or communications um, for broadcast and, the, and all of the clear channels of the world, what if we actually just put that directly in the hands of people who know the people that we want to get these messages out to? Um, so uh, redirect the small amounts of money to a lot of different people where we know that there's a trusted messenger, there, everyone has at least one trusted messenger um, in their lives. And we, ideally we can find that person and eventually reach that person so that, um, so that we can have uh, a message of you know, cancer screening or, um, or you know, how to open up a bank account or um, you know, how to understand just the basics of blockchain technology um, how do we get that message into the hands of someone that we want that message to get to in a trusted way because it's coming from someone that they mm -hmm. trust? Mm -hmm. Tana, so did you build like essentially a, a, a your own um, a set of tutorials? Um, so... I'll say the the block power is is mostly Dr. B. I'm more so um like a client to his services than than on right. the inside of it. However, right. when when he did approach about the blockchain crypto learning set of videos, I was able to well I made a video on web3 for the service and um a bunch of the other members of HUDAO also are a lot of the people in these videos too. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an interesting, so basically like from, you know, from Black Power's perspective, this is kind of another way to, to test this out and try to see if we could spread, um, spread knowledge through a trusted, trusted network. And through kind of HU Dow's perspective, it's kind of, if one of their goals is to focus on, on getting it, getting, um, generating interest, um, interest and excitement and just general knowledge about Web3 and blockchain technology um, out through the Howard University community. It was actually kind of a, a cool, uh, cool marriage. So now I've become the faculty advisor of of HU Dow. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to bring this bring this back out to kind of some of the tools that the I mean in in our sort of discussions on um, in these spaces we we think about decentralizing pretty broadly. We include things like Web3 and, and cryptocurrencies and the kind of incentives that we use um, in our Filecoin ecosystem, but also about the, the, the very idea. And, uh, but what, what interests me about your approach here is even though it's primarily the subject is talking about these technologies, it actually uses some of the, some of the techniques as well. And, and uh, let me pick them out and then, then we can sort of um, delve into them a little bit more. So one of the features that we have here is that it's peer-to-peer, -peer, right? It's not, you're not, you're trying to cut out a middleman. Yep. Um, you're actually 
keeping this within a community and using the reputation system that exists within a community. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And of course, that's, that's, that's got an echo in the technology in the way that we try and build these decentralized systems, because obviously, if you don't have a center, that's how things, things communicate. But also this sort of innovation, I think, that happened in the cryptocurrency space, sort of post-Bitcoin, which is this idea of using financial incentives, right? So you build the public good of the, of the um, say, the Bitcoin uh, blockchain ledger, and there's a little sort of internal incentive to uh, get people to do the right thing or contribute to uh, a communal um, whole. Um, now, I think that's one of the things that's the most controversial in this space, right? Because people find it a pretty uncomfortable with the idea of money and incentives mixing with kind of the public good. Um, and and reputations is that am i am i is is this something that 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 you, that you think about a lot in these kind of dynamics definitely so there's one kind of a messaging <laughs> so there's one a messaging thing that i think you know tanner and i tanner and i have talked about of just like hey this is you know you can look at this you know your first your first uh look at this is like wow this is a pyramid scheme and yes it is um, it is totally a pyramid scheme, but it's one. <laughs> it's one that uh, one that tries to use this kind of you know peer to peer, um, peer to peer social, um, you know, kind of moving through the social fabric um, to generate social value rather than and extract extract value from people. Um, so right. you know, there's a pretty common response. You know, if the uh, if the person hasn't you know, if someone is, is being recruited to become part of the network, there's a very common response um, that, hey, this is just a scam. I'm not even going to, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to, you know, believe that this is real. Um, you know, this doesn't right. make any sense to me. Um, so that is like a kind of a, that's something that we're still confronting. That is kind of a still an issue. Um, and, you know, then, then it comes, uh, and then, you know, there's also a bunch of research that, you know, that shows, um shows that you know financial incentive financial in- incentives can sometimes crowd out you know uh general pro-social you know people's pro-social tendencies um so mm-hmm. you know i think there was a there's a paper about um a daycare center in uh in israel where parents um when parents uh were given the option to or were started to have to pay for uh for coming late uh it turned out that they started coming even later because now they, they felt less guilty um, uh, about picking up their kids uh, late because right. they could pay for it. Um, and Cause there was a, fi- there was now finally a price exactly. to exactly. Um, a, a moral failing. Okay. And it was a pretty cheap price. So exactly. maybe I'll just pay. Exactly. Exactly. So there, that is, that is a risk. Um, and it is something that we're basically constantly trying to figure out. Um, but, the the reason that we're pushing on this is and the reason kind of we've been pushing forward is that what we've seen so far through uh through the other organizations is that through the other organizations that block power is able to 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 work with is that this taps into communities who would otherwise never engage um in this type of content 
Um, it's oftentimes the folks that are very disillusioned, folks that are oftentimes working multiple jobs, have no time. Um, and this basically opens up a space because it's incentivized. Um, it opens up the space and gives people permission to say, okay, I'll, I'll give this a try. I can, like, I know that I know that I'll benefit in some way. Um, now the trick that we haven't yet found the answer to the trick and the balance is finding a way for the financial incentive, financial incentive to not crowd out and, you know, and then eventually kind of subside um, as kind of a you know, pro-social um, kind of feeling of, hey, I'm really creating power and I'm really making my, uh, you know, myself, my own situation, my own family, my own community better off with this knowledge. Um, and that's, we've seen that happen. We've seen that crossover in the voting world a little bit. Um, but the challenge is mm -hmm. like, how do we get that deeper um, deeper and broader. Definitely. So, sorry, go ahead, Tana. Um, yeah, I was just, I was just kind of going to add to that a little bit. Um, that I agree that the financial incentive, like, because it, at least in the uh, in the events and whatnot that HU Dow has thrown, like we've seen that, you know, you tell people you can win a little bit for the hackathon or whatever. That does create some engagement, but not the consistent. But it's really that. Um, the social aspect, the feeling of community that will encourage people to stay and that they're choosing to spend their time this way. Like, I think that's what's um really interesting about the whole Block Power app. I love, there's like a feature that you can see the network that you've created. And my network isn't, isn't too large, but I love going on and seeing Dr. B's, how he is like this network of hundreds of dots connected to hundreds of dots and whatnot. But I think that um a lot of the value is that community aspect that it is creating. I'm totally going to derail this conversation now because I am personally obsessed right now with hackathon culture. So mm. like, it's really interesting to me because when I first came in to uh, uh, Web3 and this sort of space, I mean, of course, hackathons have a fairly long history in, in kind of Web2 and previous uh, tech booms. But the whole world of basically kind of competitive hackathons where folks go from hackathon to hackathon kind of making sometimes making a living right um mm -hmm. combined with kind of the intensity of the vibe right the 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 i i really when i first went to one of these things i was like oh this is a whole sub community this is a thing mm -hmm. and i mean tano do you are you is that kind of like one of the driving things of like HU DAO's sort of approach? So definitely. We've we've thrown one hackathon to date. We did the Black Blockchain Summit in the fall, and I believe we're planning on doing that again. But that's what really turned me over to enter this whole crypto space. Like I was curious, right. I read a couple of books about it, but um, a friend of mine recommended that we go to... Um, uh lion hack which is columbia's dow's hackathon last year right and right so they bust us up to new york put us in a hostel and then you get there and it's like a couple of hundred college kids from all over the place and everybody is either like super locked in on the code super locked in on networking with people or super locked in on listening to the speakers and it's just so much passion that exists in these rooms for and i mean really for whatever reason some people are there to you know get the bounty 
and all that added to the right. resume make money some people just want to learn but everybody is there because they went out of their way to be there and just kind of the energy that exists in that space i think is is really addictive and i think that the larger group of us who went like those are still to this day the most dedicated of mm-hmm. hu dao the people who have really have got to experience these hackathons these communities firsthand right so like like uh Kavik said there's this sort of very careful balance between yep there are awards right like you know somebody wins but on the other hand like you talk to most of the people there and they're like that's not what that may have drawn me in but like i'm not expecting to win here i'm expecting to to you know hang out with the people that i've met and 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 work collectively okay so i have another question which is always bugs me in this space right which is uh again I came from kind of the open source community, which has its own hackathons, you know, I've been around in tech for slightly too long. Um, and, you know, that tech, that space, even more than commercial tech, has a deep, deep diversity problem. It has for a long time. So one of the things that really struck me going into this environment was the diversity of um of where people had come from, right? Like how how they got their diversity of paths coming to it. And you could just walk into the room and 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 sense that, right? This is not the the previous sort of generation of uh, pale young gentlemen. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there were, were women, people from all around the world, people from every part of the community. Um, and when, as you can imagine, my old buddies are kind of like, what are you doing going into crypto? And I like highlight this as something that like was, was a, a, a kind of a relief. And um, one of the things I got, right, was people going, oh, yeah, but that's actually a pro- not a problem. I don't want to belittle what they said, but they were like, this, their model of this is exploitative. So they see this as an indication that the people are being exploited, right? The, the very fact that you have perhaps unprivileged people in this space is an indication, like I think you said at the beginning, right? That people put in money and then lost money yep. and that money is going out of these communities. Yep. And I, I mean, I guess between the two of you, what, what's your read on that? So, um, <laughs> or you could you could go ahead, Doctor B. I might take a minute. To sure, think sure, on sure. It. Yeah, I mean, I think this this is a perfect example of of how any technology can be can be used for something really bad or really good. Um, and you know, people people got preyed on totally. Uh, people got preyed on. Everyone who bought Dogecoin got preyed on. Um, and you know, all of these kind of pump and dump folks like they they found the greater fool and like that was and that's kind of really 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 sad um but then at the same time the the opportunities so kind of what the future of of uh of web3 really you know it decreases it cuts out the middlemen left and right and it decreases the barrier to entry so folks traditionally who have had to have you know these kind of real rarefied backgrounds and you know, have had to, you know, come from X, Y, and Z schools, you know, and X, Y, and Z backgrounds and have these parents and have come from these zip codes were the only folks that could could kind of access the future of innovation 
or the kind of future of technology and be in these kind of real innovative spaces. That's not, that is changing. And, you know, and that's the really positive side. So there are these kind of really negative sides and really positive sides. And basically like, you know, by, you know, Howard is like one of those places where it's a dream factory. It's like trying to figure out, you know, how, um, how we can make sure that the people who, you know, who are going to be the next generation of black leadership um, in the country can really have access to those spaces early um, so that they can, they can kind of turbocharge their own careers. And I think uh, even further on that uh, kind of barrier to entry thing is that it's so, the space is so like broad as well. Like I can't, I can't really speak on past tech communities. I wasn't, I mean, in too deep into at least coming to college, but <laughs> um, I think about like uh, with, with blockchain and web three, you have like people looking at it from an art perspective where all these creatives are like artists are. And I guess this is somewhat money hungry. They're like artists are making money through this. Like, what's going on? How do I learn more? And then there's the finance perspective. People are interested in staking in DeFi. They're like, how do I learn more what's going on? And I think that what's really big for a lot of my peers is this whole idea of ownership that is, that is pushed, you know, that it's like, we can own the content that we create. Cause I know that with a lot of black people, for sure, we see, like, you always hear about these internet trends where, one girl did this dance two years ago and then nobody ever seen it. Then somebody later comes and does it, gets all the brand deals, everything, whatnot. So seeing this mm -hmm. whole idea of digital ownership, like how do I learn more? How do I get more involved? And then it, being that it's on the internet, there's no formal classes or degrees or anything you need to be to enter in these spaces. Like it's really easy to get really deep really quickly. I think one of the things that, that I felt that, that is different, right, is that um, in, in an earlier time, right, part of the, the thing that was interesting about it was that uh, it was zero cost, right? You go on the web and it's all there. You can go to Wikipedia or you need is an internet account. Um, and so that really felt like it was very empowering, right? You didn't need much to, to, to access it. Um, but the thing I've realized sort of now looking at it from, from this environment is that only goes so far, right? Because people go in and they're like volunteer editors on Wikipedia or all day, write open source software for free. And you can only really do that if you already exist in a privileged environment where you're getting your money somewhere else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, what we're talking about, as you said, is these are often communities where you can't justify that unless, like, there is an opportunity here to, like, get some new resources. Um, that's the thing that sparks the interest and can justify you spending mm -hmm. some time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I have to talk about the voting thing a little bit here, Karthik. <laughs> So the original model for this was really to get people to register to vote, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or so, so, you know, I can, we can go really deep. I just want to make, I want to make one other point um, kind of back to uh, back to our kind of in, incentive, our incentive conversation. And that was, right, right. you know, we, how do I, how do I say this best? It's, it's it's that you know. I guess I, I guess we've kind of already made it. It's just that that you know right now it has 
you know, there's a deep frustration that that it has been exploitative and that it would just be a, a real travesty if it stayed exploitative um, or if it just stayed as a memory of something exploitative rather than something really generative. Um, so anyway, so I'll put that we could put we could put that uh, put that aside. But I just wanted to I wanted to kind of underscore that because there's, there's this whole generation of folks um, that are really bright um, and just got burned. And it's just like, it's just not like that. That would be such a travesty if, if there's, if, if that was, if that was it. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, we should go back to to voting for sure. That's good. Yeah, (laughs) I do. I do kind of want to bring, bring in voting just because I was, if, if, if education, right. Is a thing where being paid to watch a video or being paid to like, connect and, and talk about a particular topic i think it's it, it, it's almost as fraught in the world of, of of voting and has a similar kind of issue about it right is the, the last thing you want in a democracy is people to go oh yeah voting is that thing for people who've got time to get involved in politics 100%. or time even to to vote right yep. um but at the same time Paying people to register to vote <laughs> yeah. is something that is often quickly put because it's proximate, yep. right? It's not the same as paying someone to vote in a certain way, but it's in that same space, right? Yeah. How do you differentiate those two things? Yeah, 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 for sure. So it's it's illegal to pay someone to vote for a candidate. It's Ill, it's illegal to pay pay someone to vote, and it's also illegal to pay someone to register to vote. All of these things are like right. are kind of foundational to our democracy. It's important not to coerce someone into doing something. Um, but what we do have right now is a whole system uh, that there is money in politics. There's a huge amount of money in politics, and primarily it goes to um, the big. Uh, kind of the big 800 pound gorilla is like there we're talking about the Googles and the Facebooks and the, you know, the, all the big broadcast uh, stations and the, you know, the Fox news of the world. That's where, that's where the money in politics goes. Um, and it's primarily uh, it's primarily going to them so that they can, they can get someone to be just frustrated enough about a certain candidate to vote against that person. Um, just, and just for that one day. And then it's, and, you know, in my, in my mind, that is kind of the ultimate exploitation. Like, so, you know, all of these resources are going to get someone to do one thing and then forget about them. Um, and mm. that was, so for me, you know, when I, so my first, my first experience, um, in politics was in 2004, um, when I watched uh, Barack Obama give his DNC speech, and I made a commitment to myself here to oh, work wow. on the 2008, uh, the the 2008 campaign. So I took a leave of absence from my consulting firm and was in um, Cleveland's Ward Five, which is 100% public housing. Um, and one of the first doors that I knocked on was uh, was this guy who said, "You know, Barack, I don't know if I can curse on this, but Barack Obama ain't going to do nothing for me." Um, and <laughs> And basically, and, and that was kind of really for me, it was just like, there is a deep disillusionment and there's no way that someone lo- who looks like me is going to be able to convince that person that like that government really like, you know, politics and democracy really could serve him. And it turns out that there's a massive concentration of people geographically concentrated. And, you know, it's kind of ironic that the people who feel the most powerless 
there's actually massive geographic pockets of people who are very powerful collectively. Um, and it's, it's this, you know, people who think they're powerless, but actually are potentially, and, you know, if we go deeper into this, I can, you know, explain the numbers, but, but potentially the most powerful actors in American democracy. Um, and that kind of, that, you know, that realization was like, hey, we really need to figure out like the people who are getting the most screwed turn out to be very powerful if this kind of activation energy barrier was uh, was crossed. Um, and that was basically kind of the the origins of this is it's like, OK, well, not even even if we did try to dump money into Google and Facebook and, and cable and and uh, and broadcast TV, that is essentially what we do cycle after cycle. Um, that is not working because even in even in 2008, um, you know, historic historic candidacy of of uh, first black president, um, we had you know in my turf in my area, Cleveland's Ward Five, we had 65 percent turnout. So that's one out of every three people didn't vote in that election, um, and that was mm -hmm. you know unprecedented amount of field resources being um, uh, being invested in. Uh, in areas, unprecedented amounts of advertising, and still one out of every three people didn't vote. And it's basically, and that's basically, you know, comes down to the right messenger wasn't going to the right people. Um, and, and that's what, you know, we have this choice of either dump money onto, into, into the hands of big, big conglomerates that, and it doesn't even work anyway, um, or um, really try something different, um, where we put money directly into communities to talk to their to the people that they know and trust. So how does that work? How does, where, where does the, because you said, you know, you, you, you he, hi, highlight something that was illegal earlier on. So I want to make ah. sure that you get a chance to say what you did is <laughs> well, not actually, in that, yeah, that yeah. territory. Right. Yeah, yeah, so. totally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Great. So basically if you, if you know a little bit about political campaigns and how, um, how field organizers, what they do. So if you're hired into a field, a field operation, let's say, you know, um, for some candidate for governor, um, what they do is they'll parcel out, um, you know, different geographic areas and they'll hire one person per, you know, county or set of counties and say, you're the field representative for this area. Well, what does that person get paid to do? They get paid basically to promote that candidate and even more specifically to recruit volunteers and train those volunteers to talk to their, uh, to talk to their neighbors, kind of neighbors broadly defined. And um, you'll get a walk packet and you'll go knock on a bunch of doors um, and you'll go um, as a volunteer and you'll go and talk to talk to people and you're trained, you're trained by this field organizer. Similarly, the field organizers will also train people to make phone calls. Those are people in general who make phone calls um, are volunteers. There are some paid uh, paid phone callers there are also some paid what we call canvassers, um, but a majority of them are volunteers. They're trained by these field organizers. And basically, kind of the way that it works is, you know, you'll have, you might have, a, you know, a small gubernatorial campaign, for example, might have 20 of these people across the state. Um, and you pay them, you pay them the equivalent of 60 grand um, annualized per year. And instead of that, kind of what we're saying is, hey, don't hire that person, or you can still hire that person. But instead of putting money on TV, now actually go and find um, someone who's going to do that at a much smaller scale. So basically find someone who we call a voting ambassador and say, okay, you are the field organizer 
and you are going to be paid to go and recruit volunteers and train those volunteers about uh, about how to help their family members, friends, and neighbors make voting plans. And that's how. So essentially, we're just taking taking the the field organizing model, and now with the ability to send and receive money or to send money in very small increments, um, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars at a time through Stripe. We use Stripe. Mm-hmm. Um, to send send money in very small increments, um, now we can have a lot more of those people. So instead, it's not it's not these it's not just you know hiring twenty people who um, who are gonna who are gonna be able to kind of uproot their lives every three months or every every four years for three months at a time. But now taking you know for example a single um, a single mom working two jobs um, that has has a small network of, of family members, friends and neighbors, is very interested in, in good policy and now give her a list and say, hey, who do you know on this list? You want to recruit these folks to talk to their family members, friends and neighbors about uh, making a voting plan and um, we'll pay you a small amount of money in order to do that. I think this is one of the things that that, that is underestimated about um, a lot of decentralized technology is that that you have this it's it people uh, people talk a lot about you know make people making a lot of money in tech and, and and what have you but the 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 applications and the things that that i've seen that that permeate the furthest is when people are making a little bit of money, right? Or, mm-hmm. or have a chance to do a, a thing, but at a granular level that they haven't been able to do, yep. right? Yep. They, they're able to contribute a little bit to a bigger project. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, the, Uber, the so, Ubers, the Airbnbs, uh, um, the, you know, the spin listers, the way that you can, you know, you have this asset or you have this time, you can monetize that a little bit. And there's now there's value that's created for the world that, wasn't there before and as you say it you know the biggest thing that happens when you chunk these things is you if there's a requirement to organize to and to make something possible that's where you have middlemen right that's where you have um someone who's just skimming off something or Mm -hmm. acting as the as the professional sort of go between okay so i should open this up for questions um and uh um but um but but while people are thinking of their questions stick up your hand if i think that's what you do um if you would like to ask a question Uh, i have one more question for you tanner which is like what's next what do you out of all of these things that you've seen and played around with um at Howard and in these these sort of projects, like are you gonna are you tempted by public service? Are you tempted by commerce? Are you tempted by the 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 lure of of Web three? Um, no no yeah. pressure. <laughs> I'm 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 not entirely sure. So this summer I have an internship lined off doing um lined up doing product management with Microsoft. So I like nice. I like tech. I can't say what specific industry um kind of by way of HUDAO blockchain and whatnot uh i've been able to kind of infiltrate a lot of these entrepreneurial like startup spaces which is yeah always a lot of fun but i don't i mean i don't have no big idea to run behind just yet but 
that's the that's the long term goal. For now, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and do something that's gonna gonna keep me headed towards the future for sure. Yeah, that's an excellent strategy. I I, I pulled that off for far too many years now. <laughs> uh, uh, is there anybody who has questions in the uh, in the listener space? Um, stick up your hand. Or maybe do a heart. I'm not sure. Uh, one other point that I had to make while while people are thinking of questions, the other thing that I wanted to mention. So every every semester at the beginning of class, I ask the, the first class, I ask people what their why is. And over half of my class, very consistently, it doesn't matter MBA or undergrad, will say building generational wealth. Um, yeah. That is one of their whys. And yeah. that, like, again, kind of, like coming back to this point of like, hey, this is this was pitched to people as like a quick way to build generational wealth, and that is like such a damn shame. Like mm. it said, like it's not like this was this ended up being exploitative, but mm-hmm. it does have the potential to to build generational wealth. Um, but it's just not in the way that that it was being pitched to folks. Yeah, I think I think of things like I mean, it's it was interesting doing the research. As I say, I'm British. I didn't know the 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 the, the history of Howard U. And like realizing that that act of just putting, a, you know, a creating an institution within a community that has been for a long time deprived of that kind of access to, to education and capital, the sort of transformative effect that that can have is pretty is a pretty strong argument for working out systems that do um let you collect and organize on the edge of existing systems okay i'm gonna i'm gonna count down uh um to see if anyone has a a, a question um five four three two one <laughs> okay that's fine like you know i hope everybody had um uh, uh had fun tuning in um I will say that yes, indeed, uh, one of those things that you can contribute a small part to is um, the Falcon Network. Be sure to explore um, our technologies, um, which do allow people around the world to either um, offer storage uh, or uh, just play around with decentralized peer-to-peer technologies. You can run some, a little node on your machine and, and contribute to uh, a public good of uh, the IPFS decentralized network. I just had a great time at IPFS thing where we were all talking about our plans for making that work um, uh, better for people around the world. Um, Decentralist in part is uh, um, uh, a, a spin-off of our nonprofit work at the Falcon Foundation for the Decentralized Web. Um, and uh, 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 Power was one of the projects that we were happy to support. Um, thanks very much, Kyla. Thanks very much, Tana. Thanks very much to uh, anybody who uh, tuned in and listened. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much. Take Thank care. You. Thank you. All right. Yep. I am.